So let's go on to your next patient. The next patient is a patient with cancer of the pancreas, a 71-year-old white male who was found to have cancer of the head of the pancreas in November of 2011. He was actually thought to be resectable, and at the time of surgery, was found to have a liver metastasis. So we had a liver biopsy. It was really open and closed. The patient is in good health otherwise. He does have a single kidney. He had renal cell cancer like 20 years ago or 15 years ago, and some other minor medical problems. I saw the patient and discussed different options. He seemed in good enough shape that I thought fulfurinox would be a good idea with him. We put in a port, he immediately thrombosed his entire arm off, and I thought, this is not going to be good. And this is kind of what you talked about before with the ASCO and American Board of Medicine Choosing Wisely campaign. Don't give patients with incurable advanced cancer combination chemotherapy, but he got about the most complicated regimen you could give somebody in GI cancer, and he's actually had an excellent response, scans, everything went back to normal. Again, patients can only tolerate so much of this. He was placed on capecitabine, stayed on that for a while, developed a really isolated progression in his pancreas was treated with radiation. He got quite sick, and it wasn't really clear why, but he developed cholangitis, obstruction of the stent. He has a metal stent. You can't be changed. I think when they put it in, they thought, well, this guy's only going to live a few months, but the stent became clogged up with debris. It was cleaned out. He's back on full furinox. I think today was his fourth or fifth cycle. His tumor markers have gone down. And really, for somebody with cancer of the pancreas, he looks remarkably good, too. I think we had held his treatment. He said he and his wife went to Chicago over the holidays and visited FAMF. And so if, for somebody that had cancer of the pancreas two and a half years ago, if you saw him, you wouldn't even know anything was wrong with him. A lot of these patients are exceptions to the rules. Again, when I first saw the patient, he had just had surgery. He had a subclavian vein thrombosis from the port. I thought this isn't going to be good, but he's actually had an excellent response and an excellent quality of life. I'm curious. I've heard people talk about sort of varying how they give fulfurinox, modifying it. I'm curious how you approach to his dosing and scheduling. Yeah, that's an interesting question because we actually looked at U.S. oncology use of fulfurinox and had an abstract at ASCO last year. If you look at the use of fulfurinox is going up, the survival is about the same as the New England Journal of Medicine. There are some physicians that modified the dose, saying, I think the dose just reduced all the drugs. Some leave out the arenatecan. Some doctors give growth factors. There's no data for that. I generally start off with full dose. I think it's kind of like what Tony said before with the regirafenib. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it. Again, growth factors is another issue. I think there are some trials ongoing looking at first cycle growth factor and full dose. I don't know what those have shown. But again, if you listen to the Choosing Wisely campaign that ASCO has. It's don't give growth factors for metastatic disease, but it's hard to give fulfurinox and not give growth since 88% of the people have grade three or four neutropenia. Yeah, I was curious about that ASCO thing because, you know, the 20% risk 
has been out there for a while as a bar for using growth factors, and they identified it as something that's not always done. And I'm curious how you approach using growth factors, Tom, and what you think about that 20% bar. Well, I mean, I generally follow that. I mean, especially first cycle, but you can't just look at the regimen. You have to look at patient factors as well. This patient has a single kidney. He has a regimen that is a relatively new regimen. He has a stent in place. When Dr. Tempero talked about fulfurinox when it was first presented, she said you shouldn't give this regimen to patients with stints because they're too high of a risk. So, yeah, I kind of go by the 20% as a guideline, but you have to take in patient factors, comorbidities, whether they've had radiation, all that stuff. So this particular patient, I just decided to give him full dose, and I don't know if he got first cycle growth factor, but he did after. Once he got cholangitis, he's been getting it since then. So, Tony, since this patient was initially treated with fulfurinox, we've had another regimen that's come into our state of mind quite a bit over this past year of gemcitabine, napaclitaxel. Can you kind of provide an update on where we are in terms of data on this regimen and, you know, how it it compares indirectly to fulfurinox? So the data is now published in the New England Journal of Medicine, and this agent is approved. Gemcitabine plus napaclitaxel is superior to gemcitabine, and it's superior at all aspects, meaning survival, progression-free survival, and response rate. Now, in relative terms, the delta is not as large as what you see with fulfurinox versus gemcitabine. But the problem, of course, is cross-trial comparisons are problematic, The second aspect of this is, of course, that you tend to introduce a different selection bias when you actually are, even with the intent to randomize them to one arm that you're comfortable with, you have to be comfortable with the other arm, which is fulfurinox. And so you tend to super choose your patients. So the delta may have been different because you've used a very effective regimen versus a single agent that has very little activity. So doing cross-trial comparison, which is a very dangerous exercise in this situation, would not give us the certainty of whether one should be our first choice option versus the other. The other element is, of course, again, when when we talk about sequencing, you know, we can certainly consider a higher likelihood of getting a salvage regimen with gemcitabine and napaclitaxel, which could actually bring the survival benefit to very similar to what you've seen with starting with fulfurinox. Then there is the toxicity element. I mean, fulfurinox, historically, is certainly one of the most aggressive regimens we have in GI oncology, along with DCF. And fulfurinox can induce significant toxicity. Tom was mentioning febrile neutropenia, which can be up to 7% of the patients. And that's a lot of patients. But there's also a lot of other toxicities. And then there's the cumulative toxicity of oxaliplatin. And the last point is the difficulty of combining other new investigational agents with a triple regimen backbone versus a doublet backbone, which certainly limits further drug development. So I think overall, and you can see that now happening more and more in the community as well as in academic practices, there is a higher uptake of gemcitabine and napaclitaxel versus fulfurinox. Not to say that fulfurinox doesn't have a role. I still think it has a role if you select your patients well 
you may still consider a much more aggressive regimen. But for the majority of patients with pancreas cancer who are not as well, who are not as performant, who have, for example, stents, who can't afford to have significant neutropenia because of the risk of sepsis, etc., it makes a little bit more sense to actually now shift the gears to use gemcitabine, not paclitaxel, in the large majority of those patients. Tom, what's been your take on this? Well, two parts to that question. One is, you know, we do a lot of trials. None of the sponsors are interested in doing fulfurinox plus their drug. They all want to do gemcitabine alone, which we say is really not acceptable, or gemcitabine, nabpaclitaxel, which is most of the trials now are a doublet plus the experimental drug. Again, we've actually are preparing an abstract for ASCO looking at the uptake of gem nabpaclitaxel since the combination was approved. That was Dr. Von Hoff's study, and he's our research director. So we were actually using that, participate in the trial, using that combination before it was approved. So I haven't really seen the actual numbers, and it's almost an individual preference. Some physicians are comfortable with fulfurinox, some think it's just too much for pancreatic cancer patients. Some people are using the two drugs. I mean, almost nobody uses, say, gemcitabine or lotinib. Just kind of looking back, if a patient like this were to present to you today, a 71-year-old patient with this history, do you think you'd be doing fulfurinox or nabgem? I know this is a standard answer, but we do have clinical trials. So if some patient's a clinical trial, I would see if the patient was interested or eligible. In retrospect, I'd treat this patient with the same thing again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I would know that, but like Tony said, there's no head-to-head data, so it's just hard to, it's kind of a matter of just judgment. What do you think patient's going to do well with? 